When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents. If you feel depressed and if you feel anxious and you feel confused, you know what? Welcome to the club. Gazpacho police. Oh my God. What a stupid son of a bitch. He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. The Betches Sup Podcast. Sayonara, sucker. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. And you know, on what we thought would be a sleepy Tuesday, we had planned to, planned to release the live show for you today. Everybody's kind of like doing their own thing this week, but we simply could not. We heard your calls. We simply had to get on the mic for some emergency reactions to Serena Williams retiring. No, (laughs) I have thoughts about that, but we are talking today more specifically about, uh, thank you, the Trump raid. But Sammy, first of all, I did see you refer to it as an executed search warrant. Should we not be saying raid to start us off? I don't know. I think, I mean, in this political environment, raid just, you know, it was a search warrant. There was a finding by a neutral judge that there is probable cause for Mar-a-Lago to be searched. The DOJ then had to sign off on it. And as we know, Merrick Garland is not very into looking politically Mm-mm. motivated. So Mm-mm. I imagine there was something fairly urgent that needed to be obtained, we could call it, mm-hmm. um, or prevented. But it's also funny because, I mean, when you hear Mar-a-Lago is being searched, you're like, for which thing? But mm-hmm. the, I, if you could believe it, this wasn't even coup related. That is crazy that it's not even coup related. I didn't even have that thought. I didn't even have that thought. So what is this related to, of course? This is related to all of the boxes he brought from the White House to Mar-a-Lago. And we know that at one point, the National Archives was like, yo, you have to give some of this or you have to give all this back. And he gave some of it back. Apparently not all of it. Yeah, so he didn't give everything back, and apparently, I believe the the documents were in like a padlocked room. Um, so oops. crazy! I know we, you sent me this New York Times article, Olivia Nizzi, and she talked to a lot of like staff members, and I just really appreciate like there's a lot of details about what this particular safe looks like, if it's a safe, if it is a locked file cabinet, but it appears to be. There's been a lot made about this this safe. I don't know if they were there particularly for the safe, but Trump himself said they broke into my safe. He, right, right. He obviously, you know, so just first them backtracking, the FBI arrives, they're wearing like normal clothes. Just a point. Trump is not in Mar-a-Lago. He's in New York because tonight he's having dinner with some Republican lawmakers at Bedminster, his wife's, his first wife's burial (laughs) ground. Um, So, so, um, 
basically they showed up. They were there for like the whole day and Trump issued the, Trump has a copy of the search warrant. So if he really wanted to tweet it out or truth social yeah. it out, he could. Um, he couldn't tweet it out, to be fair. He has to write on it which doctorate was Sharpie first. Yeah. So if he really thinks this is bogus, he could put it mm-hmm. out there, but he won't. Um, the other thing is, so they were there the whole day. And apparently the reason for this was that there was a referral from the National Archives that they had not gotten back all of these boxes, which contain mm-hmm. like massive top secret state secrets, quite valuable shit. And just to confirm, Sammy, the we know these boxes do contain that type of document. No, okay, they are. You. We know that they do because they are the National Archives, which is responsible for essentially keeping track of all the records that of everything the government has ever done. Just think about it that way. That's why the fact that there's no Secret Service text, just going back to that, like, right. is wild. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. there, it is just so out of the normal realm of things that these things would not be documented and preserved. So Trump took the documents with him to Mar-a-Lago. He sent some back, kept some in Mar-a-Lago, apparently in a padlocked room. And this, that National Archives thing, issue, referral, is the reason that for this search warrant. It's nothing else other than that. So who knew the National mm-hmm. Archives would get their day in the sun? I mean, this whole time, I know, this whole time we've been like, Merrick, look at this committee. Look what they're saying. What are you doing? And then the whole time it was just these nerds that were like, you got to go get our documents. They're very important to us. We need them. And also probably could contain contain state secrets because obviously he would not he would not have taken them or retained them did, if he did not think there would be some consequence to that or he or he wanted them or he wanted them personally, right? Yeah, I mean, the the things within those documents is incredibly valuable. Like mm-hmm. people would pay Elon Musk money if he actually mm-hmm. were going to pay it, you know, but you actually want to pay it. Um for the things in those documents, like he could make so much money on that. He probably could have already done so. Totally. Do you have, and I just, I just want to confirm this, even though I know the answer. Do you have any doubt in your mind that Trump would sell state secrets to China, North Korea, Russia about the states for, for money? No, I mean, obviously (laughs) the man wants U.S. generals (laughs) to act like Hitler's generals, but not accurately like Hitler's generals, just like his idea of Hitler's generals. Mm -hmm. I mean, the facts, it's so, it's so interesting because, you know, they're, you know, Michael Cohen referred to the safe as more like a locked file cabinet. Um, Yes, right. But like, whatever. It's so Trump to call it like a safe, like your kid who's like Mm -hmm. playing. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So this morning, let's talk a little bit about Republican reactions and not even just Republican reactions. Like I'm seeing just like, they're not moderates. I'm just seeing a handful of influential people be like this. Let's Andrew Yang, for instance, has tweeted something like, yes, we all hate Trump, but this is a bad look. This looks political. What do these people, even Republicans, what do these people, what would they rather the DOJ do if a former president might be in possession of state secrets that could, that could cause serious national security concerns? What do these people want? On some level, these people understand, like, in general, I think the average American's, like, relationship to the news better than we do. Or I hate to say, mm-hmm. I mean, or at least they they act in messaging accordance with that 
understanding yeah. with like the yeah, real yeah, yeah. acknowledgement that like most people are not paying clear attention. The fact that this is like even a national archives issue and that it's about state secrets, think about it from the act like the average person, like we're gonna have to introduce a whole new accusation. I know. Like now there's this new thing that you're gonna have to explain. Like to the It is interesting. The, I mean I'm sure most people assume this is a direct result of something that was found recently in the January sixth committee. And this potentially has nothing to do with that. Uh, right. And but here's the thing if they find something that's relevant to the January sixth committee, it can still go to them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I don't know, burner phones, cash, documents, mm -hmm. g fucking gold Could be bars, anything. Like, human <laughs> body parts. human remains. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, like, the worst thing that it could be would be, like, a live trapped human. That's, I think, mm -hmm. the worst <laughs> thing that they could have found at Mar-a-Lago. I, I don't Nothing think they found that. Nothing short of that would be the worst thing. Right, mm -hmm. right, right. Then the second worst thing would be a dead human. Just mm -hmm. or parts of one. That's what I think. That, Do you like, know what I think they might find, Sammy? What? Jeffrey Epstein. No. Oh. <laughs> He's in the safe. I mean, they miniaturized again, him and he's hoarding look, Jeffrey Epstein. Look, that could be that could be the per. You know, there is nothing that would surprise me. This man tried to strangle his own driver to get him to take mm -hmm. him to the Capitol. Buried his ex in the golf club. He's literally dancing on a grave. There's nothing this man won't do. There's nothing, there's no feeling in him. There is no thing that he would not do to serve himself. Like even mm -hmm. in John, like the back to the John Kelly excerpts, which have been sticking with me, I forgot that he had asked for that military parade, but he asked for there to be no wounded veterans because they mm -hmm. are a bad look for him. Mm -hmm. It's just like the person who could say that aloud and like really be serious and really push for it is just so, to the man of someone who lost their child in war, like, I believe he would... Oh, my God. There's nothing he wouldn't have hiding at Mar-a-Lago. There's no uh, ethic... There's no moral There's nothing he would he think twice. To. Right, so, there's nothing he would think twice about, especially when we know he, he probably needs money. This, oh, I feel, I've never been yeah. more confident that... It's funny because when we were chatting yesterday about, like, some topics that you could potentially do deep dives on. I was like, I would love for you to deepen, you know, the future for Donald Trump in public life. And then five hours later. Oh, yeah. The FBI I mean, I raids, would go so. like back into some Trump stuff even. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I feel like some, mm. I'm never sure if I'm kind of beating a dead horse with all that, you know. Honestly, no, because like I find it difficult to continue covering all of the Trump beat. And then I feel unprepared when things like this happen. I was like, Sammy. What's going on? What's going on? So for you to be on the Trump beat, I think is soothing for all of us. Like somebody is always watching that motherfucker. Somebody is obsessed with him still. Honestly, like it's not even him so much as much as I enjoy he's done. to um to follow like corruption and yes. and like sort of the way the inner workings of things and he is just someone who is very big on that. So This is quite a story <laughs> in the story of not just our country, not just the past 6 years, but the the story of Donald Trump. I mean, it's quite a this is historic. No, he has made history several times now. Once he became the first president to be impeached twice and now he's the first former president to have this type of raid executed, right? That I'm aware of. I could, yeah, I'm pretty sure know. Nixon was all like he he resigned afterwards. Right. I mean, it's 
it, it is very fascinating to see what will happen next. It does feel that they are falling apart at the seams a little bit, those MAGAs, because yeah. a few, apparently Trump was advised to cut contact with Mark Meadows a few days ago. So I wonder if maybe Meadows has revealed something. This is speculation. Mm-hmm. I want to just say that. Um, but, you know, like you said, the right wing brain is breaking. Um Apparently, Trump appeared at like a teller rally yesterday for Sarah Palin, who is running for Congress. Beware. Um, and he said, like, he called the day like another day in paradise. It's like, oh, yeah. The days are. Ugh. I mean, here's the thing. Your like, days of freedom are hopefully a number. Even, I mean, the man, look, the man is not probably, I don't see him going to jail. So he, yeah, like, I'm sure it's mentally stressful to have to, like, be dodging the FBI at every turn. But at the end Mm. of the day, he's living in all of the comfort that any human could ask for that is available outside of what his own mind can is limited to. So, right. And I don't think he is uh, weighed down at all by guilt or shame. So what are you, we will obviously go into more analysis of this tomorrow, but I'm curious, what questions do you have right now that you want to see answered in kind of the next, you know, 24 to 48 hours? I mean, I don't think we're going to know in the next 24 to 48 yeah. hours, but I really want to know what they found. I mean, I know. come on. I when will know. we know that? Ugh, like when charges oh. are, when they press charges? Um, Unclear. I don't know. I'm sure maybe things will trickle out. I'm sure that we may eventually get a full report depending on what ultimately happens. It might, things might come out through other means. Like my guess is that like there will be some January 6th related things that they didn't even go there for. Totally. And they might find the things that are relevant to like the SDNY case in New York. If they're in his safe, like what is, what is so corrupt that he can't just keep it on the desk? Like he puts all his corruption, he puts all his corruption on TV. So on Twitter. So what is so corrupt that has to go into something locked? Yeah, I just imagine all the other like prosecutors investigating him last night, <laughs> watching yeah. this, like the ones in Georgia, Tish James, Saive. You have all to wonder if they received notice. Yeah, I mean, it's I imagine anything related to the DOJ would would receive notice, and there is mm-hmm. a, also a January sixth investigation at the DOJ. So, like, it's okay. I'm I'm curious about what specific evidence tipped the judge to say you can and Merrick Garland to be like, okay, this is enough to carry out the search warrant. I wonder if there's mm-hmm. some like back end intelligence that mm-hmm. proves that he sh- that he his access to these documents was caused something on mm-hmm. you know the def- you know the security national security front. like maybe there are other pieces of evidence that we don't know Do about. Do you think it could relate to the fact that like we are now Russia is now at war? Like Russia is now, you know, warring against Ukraine. Yeah. Oh, it 100%. I mean, it could be relevant to now, it could be relevant to mm-hmm. back in the day. Like right. It really is there's so, so I'm that's why I'm curious like what was that evidence? Like how much was there? How strong was it? Was it one really serious thing or was it like a few minor things? Right. Minor. You got I mean, we'll go back to like this this DOJ would not have done this if it did not have something really, really, really damning. And that's the thing to kind of like repeat to people who say like, oh no, this is illegitimate. It's been politicized. It's like, if this were a former, if they, if, if I heard they, they went to Barack Obama's house because he didn't submit documents back, I would be, we would be appalled. 
And we would be yeah. nervous. And we would be like, why the fuck did he do that? That is not acceptable. So it's... The DOJ is I don't know why anybody would rather, would rather Trump have, you know, like the nuclear codes that he's sending, to, that he's texting to Kim Jong-un than... Oh, yeah. Can't I mean, the, DO, the DOJ is way more cautious about doing this to Trump than they are to you or me. You know, they wouldn't like really think oh, twice absolutely. about like investigating a regular person. I mean, I, I wonder, one thing I have my eye on, and I don't want to get anyone's, you know, speculation or hopes up, mm-hmm. is that Never. Um, I want to watch what's going to happen to Jared Kushner in the next few days, because he is the one who's like out and about with with the val- with the value of the top secret documents as his supply. So like I like that's his inventory. We know this. We know Jared Kushner is benefiting from his what he got the knowledge he gathered in the administration to with in giving that information to his friends and right. So Saudis that's what everywhere. makes me think that that's what I have my eye on mm-hmm. right now is Kushner. And mm-hmm. that might be a hint. Who knows? It could be mm-hmm. something totally Absolutely. random. It could be like he sold Bahrain some like shady thing. And then we're going to have totally. to explain about some oil pipeline in Bahrain and like oh, God. To the pe- and on like Labor Day weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Oh boy. Good luck. Well, we will be yeah. we will be back with more analysis tomorrow. Hopefully get some of the answers to those questions with a with a bigger with a bigger crew. We're going to publish that live show for you later this week. And today after this, you're going to hear an interview I did with Rochelle Garza. She is awesome. She is running for attorney general in Texas against Ken Paxton. Oh god. She also is um, the lawyer who uh, argued against the Trump administration, so a detained teenager could access an abortion. She's incredible. She is a much superior candidate than Ken Paxton. Uh, so stick around with, for a quick interview with her. And again, we'll be back with a. Uh, we'll go deep into into Braid Week more tomorrow. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream.
Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash feverdream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. Today, I'm so excited to be here with Rochelle Garza, a candidate for attorney general of the state of Texas, running against Ken Paxton. And we're just stands of yours. You've just done so many cool things. I'm excited to get into. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's exciting. How, how's your summer going? It is. It is going. We have been working yeah. really, really hard. I know. Uh, yeah, traveling around the state, um, especially with my with my four month old baby. So, oh my gosh, been, that little. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun though. 
Yeah. Yeah. So to get right into it, you know, even if our listeners don't recognize your name, like I said, they know you because we all remember, I know our listeners do hearing about the ACLU attorney who successfully sued the Trump administration on behalf of a detained teenager who was seeking abortion. We're going to get all into your race for attorney general. Of course, that's what we're here to talk about. But I'm so curious, what was that experience like? Um, Well, Back in 2017, I was actually in private practice at the time, and I represented gotcha. I represented Jane Doe. Uh, she was a 17-year-old immigrant from S- Central America that needed access to abortion care. Uh, she didn't learn that she was pregnant until she was in detention here in the U.S., and uh, it, it was a pretty tough case. You know, I had to I had to counsel her through. Uh, being forced to go through so many court hearings and and to be delayed so long uh, from enacting the decision that was hers alone to make. And we were, I mean, we were able to win for her and we were able to win for so many other teens that are in immigration detention. Uh, the Garza notice is a result of my work on that case. Um you know, teens in immigration custody uh, cannot be denied access to abortion care, even right now, uh, during, you know, during these dark times that we're experiencing. So it it was a tough case, but it taught me the power of one person standing up for their rights and, and that they matter. You know, I mean, all these people, Trump, Kavanaugh, uh, Ken Paxson, all these folks didn't didn't believe that this one person mattered. And she showed them that she did. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like that experience might have motivated you to to consider running for office. Um, Why? Tell me how you sort of made that decision and why you decided to pursue attorney general. Um. You know, there were a lot of reasons why I decided to run for for Texas attorney general. Uh, you know, Texas as a political landscape has been pretty tough in the last few years. We, we had a really bad redistricting year last year. Um you know, all of the all of the legislature was gerrymandered. All of the congressional seats were gerrymandered, and you can't gerrymander a statewide race. Uh, this is a state where sixty percent of of the population are people of color, nearly 40% are Latino, and we haven't had representation that reflects our communities. We haven't had representation that understands what everyday Texans are going through. You know, we have people like Ken Paxton who really only cares about his own power instead of actually addressing the things that matter the most to people. You know, making sure that they're you know, the prices on their electric bills don't continue to rise because of what happened with the winter storm, Um, making sure that people have child support to make sure they have food on the table for their kids. Uh, So it was a very easy decision for me to to jump into this race because I want to stand up for Texas families and make sure that we have real representation that reflects our communities and cares about us. You just detailed some things that, you know, Ken Paxton makes it seem like all the AG does is can do is challenge elections and push back against rape victims getting abortions. But you mentioned some things that the attorney general of Texas could actually play a role in that could benefit, as you said, everyday Texans. So just sort of like zoom out a little bit. What's an attorney general do? So the attorney general is the top 
law enforcement officer. Um, but really, in my perspective, it's the top people's attorney. Uh, the, the duty for the attorney general is, is to the people of Texas, to the people of each individual state and making sure that constitutional rights are protected, uh, whether that's the state constitution or the national constitution, uh, but also making sure that all of the all of the things that underpin healthy families are taken care of. So that does include child support. That includes consumer protection and making sure that, you know, folks aren't subjected to fraud through robocalls or, uh, you know, their electric bills going skyrocketing. You know, I, I just saw my recent electric bill. It's over $600. Oh, my uh, and God. If, and if I'm experiencing that, I know a ton of people are experiencing that across the state. And it's because we don't have an attorney general that's going to actually hold power to account and make sure that uh, the people that were responsible for the power grid failure are held accountable uh, because we're bearing the brunt of of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that was such a devastating and just a sinister moment for the country to watch what you all went through. And it seems like what what. What motivation has there been? What what energy has there been to really address that and make sure that it doesn't happen again? Yeah, there. I mean, there really there really hasn't been a real effort by the Republican leadership to address this issue. You know, they've they've instead received massive donations from the industry. Uh, it's it's really hard. I mean, there were there were a lot of people that died. There were a lot of people that experienced financial ruin, uh, and and we felt it all over the state. I mean, it was absolutely devastating. Uh, so we need to have leadership that's going to hold people accountable for that and not foot the bill like we are. Because what's happened is because of the winter storm and because of the, the loss that the companies experienced, they've put the financial burden on the consumers, on us, on our bills. And a lot of people are starting to see increases on their bills. And it's because of the winter storm. And it's also because wow. we don't have leadership that's holding anyone accountable. It's already convincing enough because the people of Texas deserve deserve better. But the role, I mean, attorney generals in some of these states, especially, you know, Texas is a really influential state in the country for, for a number of reasons. I mean, how what role does the attorney general play in kind of nationalizing certain issues and kind of how how policies and things and our rights can kind of change across the country based on something that the Texas attorney attorney general decides to pursue for better or for worse? Yeah, yeah. I mean. I think a lot of folks don't understand the full power of the attorney generals uh, across the country. But in Texas in particular, uh, Ken Paxson has used his role to to go on these culture wars. Um, You know, he's responsible for, in part, uh, you know, challenging uh, the ACA, challenging healthcare. He tried to take it away from not just Texans, but from the rest of the country. Uh, He has a beeline to the Supreme Court of the United States. So what he does with his position is he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna attack abortion rights. So I'm gonna go find a judge in Texas that is friendly to me. Then I'm going to take that case because he's gonna give me the right decision I want. Uh, and I'm gonna take it to the Fifth Circuit. They're gonna agree with me. And then I'm gonna take it to the Supreme Court and they're gonna agree with me too. Uh, he, right after Roe fell, uh, he was asked about you know, would you challenge gay marriage? And that's something that he said he would right, do. Right. And he can do it because he's got the power to do it. 
That's why this election is so critical. That's why it's so important, not just for Texans, but for the rest of the country to vote this person out of office immediately. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important that you, you know, it's just worth reiterating that this is a statewide race, especially what we saw in Kansas, a ruby red state last week, that when voters have an opportunity and they're not gerrymandered and the politicians didn't pick what they get to, who they get to vote for, I think we can really see what the democratic process, you know, favors right now. And we've seen the polling about abortion. What is the status of abortion rights in Texas right now? So currently, I mean, abortion is is outlawed. It is illegal in the state of Texas. Um, you know, we there was a question about whether or not our trigger ban would go into effect. So right. before, so Texas has been living under a post row world for some time now. The six week abortion ban that went into effect in September of last year. So some people were still able to access abortion care up to six weeks in the state of Texas. Because of Ken Paxton, uh, he litigated this case and and brought it back to the 1920s. There was a 1920s law that criminalizes abortion. Uh, He won that case. So it is outlawed because of that. So there is mm-hmm. there is no access to abortion. The trigger law will go into effect soon. And so what that means is that you cannot get an abortion for any reason, not for rape, not for incest. Um, and the only exception is to save the life of the mother. However, Kim Paxson is litigating that as well. He is uh, suing so that doctors cannot provide life-saving care to women who need abortions, not just in the state of Texas, but across the country. So it is a very dire situation. Um, and that's why this position is so critical. And, you know, I'm someone who knows what it takes to fight for abortion rights. Um, you know, I'm deeply in this fight. I have a, you know, I have a four month old baby and I know what it's like to go through giving birth and just, you know, the scariness of, of being pregnant. And yeah, I was going to ask, you know, I can't, I can't imagine what it's like to discuss this all the time and do this very, very taxing work right now. And you had, you had a little one four months ago. How has that sort of influenced, you know, what you think about and how you approach this? I mean, everything I, I I feel like it's turned my life upside down in some ways. It's, it's been such a beautiful experience and it's really solidified why I got into this in the first place. Um, because I do want my daughter to have more rights than even I did. I want her to live a life that she can be proud of and to decide who she wants to marry and, and, you know, decide whether or not she wants to become a parent. I want so much Mm -hmm. for her. And I know that there are so many people across the state that want the same thing for their children. And that's why I'm in this. That's why I'm in this fight for her and for for all of Texas children, Uh, because this isn't who we are. You know, this has been a situation where a a minority has taken over the state. I mean, most people in the state of Texas don't agree with the direction we're going in. They don't agree with the total ban on abortion. They don't agree with uh, trying to separate families. Uh, But yet we have leadership that that continues to engage in these culture wars. So we need to vote them out of office and we need to get people in office that understand the experiences of everyday Texans uh, because we're going to fight for a better future and they're not. Yeah. 
So you have a really powerful campaign, regardless of your opponent, who I, I admit I have been asking you quite a lot about. Your opponent is terrible. He's like universally loathed by everyone, I, I guess, except a few million people in Texas who got elected. But I'm just, how do you balance contrasting yourself with this nationally known extremist, frankly, with messaging around Michelle Garza and who you are and your unique qualifications and what you would provide as you know the people's lawyer other than just not Ken Paxton? <laughs> I mean, I think it's I think it's the difference between someone who cares about their own power versus someone who actually cares about families. And I have a record of showing that I care about families. You know, I've represented children and immigrants and families for my whole legal career. You know, I know what it, I know what people are going through. I, I, I know what it's like for for somebody who could potentially get a, a possession of marijuana charge on their record and what that means for their ability to get uh, a loan to go to college and advance their their education. Um, I know what it's like for, for, for single parents that just need to ensure they get child support to put food on the table for their kids. I mean, people are struggling. I you know, I'm a, I'm a Latina from the border. I'm from, I'm from Brownsville. I grew up in the Rio Grande Valley and it's, the, the river is literally one mile from my home. Um, this, this community is absolutely beautiful. It's culturally rich. Uh, but at the same time, we experience a lot of poverty. So mm. I know how hard it is for, for people to, to just, put food on the table and, and worry about their daily lives. And, and politics seems so far away from them, but it really impacts every facet of their life. And that's why, I mean, I have, I have the ability and the drive and the grit to be in this fight and to talk to them about those issues and, and to show that there is something better out there. You know, there is, there, there is, an opportunity to stand up for Texans and to stand up for our families. And that's what I'm trying to do with this campaign is to communicate mm -hmm. that. Yeah. As you were sort of detailing what you can do, it's like some of these AGs, they just, they just willingly relinquish all of, all of the opportunities that they have to help people that you almost forget that they have that power. So I do think like it is so important to keep reminding people of that, of what you could actually do uh, with this position and not just prevent you know, Ken Paxton from doing. You mentioned that you grew up as a Latina in Texas. How has your experience been running, uh, running for office as a Latina woman in Texas? No, no, no problems. No, no feedback, <laughs> none whatsoever. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think running for office is hard regardless. Um, I mean, it is a very, you're putting yourself out there for, for everyone. Um, but people like me aren't expected to run for office. I, I think that ultimately society expects so much of women. We expect women you know, to give birth and raise children and work, but we don't expect them to run for office, much less mm -hmm. a statewide office, much less the attorney general of Texas. Uh, but if we don't, if we don't step up and start running for, for these positions, we aren't going to get into a better place as a society. We're going to continue to get harmful laws and our rights taken away from us, like what happened with the fall of Roe. So women need to step up and, and run for office because we know our experiences. We know what our families need, and we are going to put, put that into action in office. Yeah. 
So on this podcast, we often talk about how both parties miss the mark when it comes to speaking to issues that actually impact the Hispanic community. What needs have been overlooked based on, you know, you grew up in that area, especially in Texas? I, I think people tend to look at Latinos as a monolith when we're absolutely not. We, we have, depending on what country you come from, you come from a different historical background and, and relationship to politics and government. Uh, I think that in Texas, the Latino community has been overlooked, frankly, by both parties. Uh, and, you know, we're not addressing the issues that matter the most to Latino communities. It is their families. It is, you know, the economy and their jobs and making sure that their children have better opportunities than they did. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's almost as if we're just like any other voter. Um mm-hmm. We need to do a better job of communicating, but we also need to have representation. You know, I'm the only Latina on the statewide slate uh, in a state that is 40% Latino. Um, that is stunning to me. Oh my gosh! I'm the first. I'm the first uh, Latina to ever yeah. get nominated to the Texas Attorney wow. General. Congratulations! Position, That's party. crazy. Thank you. I mean, we're making we're making history here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, if we if we really want to, um, but if we really want to reach people, we need to have representation. Um, and if we really want to change things for the better for for every community, we we do need to have representation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you went up against the Trump administration and you won. You went up against Brett Kavanaugh and you won. I think it only makes sense you're going to complete the trifecta. And win against Ken Paxton. How can our listeners inside of Texas and outside of Texas support you right now in your race? Well, just just so folks know, we are within three points of unseating Ken Paxton. Wow. And yes, it is. It is a very winnable race for, for us. What we need to focus on is making sure we're communicating with voters, especially those voters that unfortunately do not know about Ken Paxson's criminality and how harmful okay. he is for the people of Texas. So donations go a long way in supporting the campaign. Um, if you cannot donate, you can follow on social media, share our you know, share our campaign with anyone who can donate and support and raise awareness about us. Uh, my website is RochelleGarzaForTexas.com and my I'm on social media, Rochelle M. Garza, M as in Mercedes. That's my great grandmother's name. Um, and we are on TikTok also. Oh, I'm very fun. Proud of that. I'm very proud yeah. of that. As, as an old millennial, I, I, it's exciting <laughs> to be on TikTok. I know. I know. Girl, same. Yeah. I mean, our listeners are very, it's, I think that people feel really motivated to donate and just want to know where their money can do the most work. And I think for all of the reasons that you just said, like there is a path to protecting women and pregnant people in Texas through this race that you can, you can make your voice, you can make your voice heard on. And of course, I'm sure paired with, you know, if we can get that governor's mansion too, it would be a totally different, different state with totally different opportunities for folks. Yeah, absolutely. I keep, I keep explaining that the attorney general's race is really kind of the queen on the chessboard. If we can, if we can win this position, we can, it would be an absolute game changer for the state of Texas and also for the country, at least with stopping some of these um, really, really harmful policies that we're seeing come out, coming out of the extreme right wing of the Republican party. Mm-hmm. Thank you so, so much for your time. We really appreciate it. I know you're doing, you're doing so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman, and this is the Betches Up Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.